Hello, I'm Pastor Daniel Flukey. Welcome to the Sermon Podcast from Christ the King and Living Hope Lutheran Churches. We are congregations of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, located in Port Washington and Saukville, Wisconsin. We believe God's love is for you. Here's our message for this week. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought, but that very spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. And God, who searches the heart, knows what is the mind of the spirit, because the spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. We know that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, in order that he might be the firstborn within a large family. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. What then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not withhold his own son, but gave him up, For all of us, will he not with him also give us everything else? Who will bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? It is Christ Jesus who died, yes, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed intercedes for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship or distress or persecution or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the 13th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all the seeds, but when it has grown, it is the greatest of shrubs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed in with three measures of flour until all of it was leavened. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which someone found and hid. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. On finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and caught fish of every kind. When it was full, they drew it ashore, sat down, and put the good into baskets, but threw out the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the furnace of fire, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Uh, 
have you understood all this? They answered, yes. And he said to them, therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like the master of a household who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. The gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Siblings in Christ, grace to you and peace in the name of our Savior, Jesus. You have a favorite Bible verse. Three, okay, four. I know some of you went through, uh, some of you grew up Lutheran until you went through a confirmation class. Did any of you have to pick a particular confirmation verse? A few, okay. If so, do you remember what verse you picked? You don't have to say it now. No, okay. I did three years of confirmation at Ascension Lutheran in Fond du Lac, and I do still remember my confirmation verse. In fact, we just heard it in today's reading in Romans. But there are a lot of great verses in these readings, right? There's Jesus' great little parables about God's kingdom in Matthew's gospel. One commentary I read referred to this weekend as parable palooza. There's at least five different separate parables just in those few verses. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed that starts small but grows into a great tree, providing shelter and home. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast mixed into flour where you just need a little bit and the whole batch rises. The kingdom's influencing the world. The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant who leaves behind all the things of the world to pursue one goal. It's a net scooping up everything in its path or a treasure hidden in a field. Lots of great images memorable verses to hold on to. Any of those verses, I think, could be an entire sermon. I won't touch on all of them today. There's a lot of good stuff. We'll come back a little bit. What I really want to talk about first, though, is this reading from Romans, Romans chapter 8. And in the landscape of Scripture, the landscape of the Bible, we start with the Old Testament, right? Laying the foundation, telling the story of God creating the world, people messing it up, the fall, God's chosen people, Israel. And then we get to the Gospels, which tell the story of Jesus, the center of our faith, the most important story in all of history, God coming to be with us. But in my opinion, the absolute peak of the Bible, the Mount Everest of Scripture, the, the part that summarizes the whole point of the book is Romans chapter 8. And in this chapter... We didn't read the whole chapter, but Paul starts by looking around at the state of the world, looking around at the situation around him, where he's living, what's going on, and he says, you know what? This world is messed up. This world is not the way that it should be. There is an awful lot of suffering going on around us. And you know, I think it's safe to say that we could make that same assessment. That's still true today, right? But then instead of giving up, instead of believing that this is all there is and it's never getting better, Paul says, yes, the world is broken, but God is not done yet. This is not the end of the story. In fact, God is at work in the midst of this brokenness. And so we begin today at verse 26, which is this wonderful verse of encouragement. When we get overwhelmed by the world, when we look around and just don't know what to do, Paul writes, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. 
Elsewhere in the Bible, in John's Gospel, the Holy Spirit is described as the paraclete, a Greek word meaning the one who comes alongside, the one who advocates for us, the one who accompanies us and gives us strength and supports us. The Holy Spirit is the, the comforter. And so when we don't know what to pray, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. The Spirit gets involved and fills in the gaps. The Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Verse 27 then, God's Spirit is at work for us, in us, conforming our wills to God's, changing our hearts to see the world the way that God sees it, through a lens of love. And so God is conforming us to the image of Jesus Christ, God's Son. The Holy Spirit's work is to make you more like Jesus. And then we get to verse 28, which is another verse of great encouragement, and it's also one of the most misunderstood, frustrating verses in the Bible. If you get the weekly email from church, I mentioned in that how challenging I think this verse is. So you ready? Verse 28. We know that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. We know that all things work together for good. And I think often this verse gets quoted, it shows up on um, cards, encouragement cards. It gets quoted by well-intentioned Christians and it ends up inadvertently diminishing, belittling people's suffering. Because people mean well when you say that there's a purpose in suffering and God's doing something here and it's God's will, but it rarely comes across as encouraging. There's this idea that God must be somehow causing suffering, causing something to go wrong in order to teach you something or prepare you for something better. And so it gets quoted when you get a layoff slip from a job. And people say, don't worry, when God closes a door, he opens a window, so this is really for the best. Well, maybe, but it's not usually received that way. Or worse, much more seriously, it gets used when a teenager dies in a car crash. People tell the parents not to worry because this must have been God's plan to get another angel. Don't ever say that. It's just not true. And not only is it terrible theology, it is harmful to people's relationship with God. The God that I believe in does not kill children. God does not cause gun violence or bombings. Some of you know that Kristen and I have a friend from our previous congregation who's in the hospital right now and has been for just over a week in Billings, Montana, because she was chaperoning the church youth mission trip, and she opened the wrong door. I think it must have been at night. She opened the wrong door, and she fell down a staircase, and she's had a severe concussion. And the report I saw yesterday said that the medication's starting to maybe go the right direction, but she's been sedated for a week from a church youth mission trip. God did not cause that. Paul does not say that everything is good. Paul does not say everything is from God. Paul says that despite all the evil in the world, despite all the suffering and the pain and the sickness and the violence and the despair, God is still on our side walking with us, even carrying us. 
And sometimes we can see a reason for suffering. There are times when you can tell what's going on. Cancer can be caused by smoking. In the case of shootings, it's pretty clear. Someone pulled a trigger. Somebody sinned. I was in a soup kitchen once, and I saw a poster on the wall that said simply, don't shoot people. Sometimes there's a clear solution to at least part of the problem. But so often, there is no reason that we can find. Why does the chemo work for one person and not for another? As the Bible itself often asks, the Psalms are great examples. Psalm 73 is a good one to read. Why do wicked people prosper and those who do good suffer? Because that's often the way the world works. And so Paul asks, when we see the suffering in life, what then are we to say about such things? Yes, sometimes we can look back at disappointments and trials in life and we can, in retrospect, see that God was doing something good through it. God can redeem even the worst situations. Don't hear me saying God's not at work. God can redeem even the worst situation, knit together even the messiest threads. But often our, our attempts to explain suffering as caused by God just don't lead anywhere. All of our pretenses of being in control, our attempts to find meaning in suffering just run into dead ends and our words fail. You and I are not God. And eventually all that we can do is to trust that God is still working even now somehow for good. Trust in that promise that we know the end of the story and love will prevail. Eventually, we're left with Jesus Christ and the confidence in faith that God is for us, that God is on our side, and that in all things, God is still at work for good. God, who did not withhold even his own son, but gave him up for all of us, will he not with him also give us everything else? Who will bring any charge against God's children? All of the misfortunes in life, all the pain, the suffering, the fears, the doubts, the hardship, the distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, violence, sword, sickness, it all falls away, Paul says, in comparison to the love that God demonstrates in Jesus Christ. God entering into this world to come and suffer alongside of us and show us a way out. And so it's not that God causes evil in our lives. It's that God's love is so good, so ultimate, so overwhelming and final that it covers up all of the junk, gives us a way to get through it. God's love lasts forever. The one thing that remains long after everything else has come to an end. And we know God's love because we can look at Jesus on the cross. We can point to the God who loved us enough to come in person, to suffer with us, to do what we could not do, to take all of the evil and the pain and the suffering onto himself and put it to death. This Romans 8 passage is the center of the Bible because it is the core promise of what God has done for you and for me and for all of God's people, the core promise of faith. And so this is the part that's my confirmation verse, Romans 8, 38 to 39. After all that, Paul writes, 
I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is the core of the gospel. Jesus loves you, period. Nothing can ever change that. Nothing that you can do, nothing that anyone else can do to you, nothing that can happen to you, nothing. The promise of God's love, then, is the foundation for everything else in our faith. God's love is at the root of the kingdom that Jesus talks about and is bringing into reality. That promise is at the root of how we live as citizens of God's kingdom. So one of those images Jesus uses in the parables from the gospel reading is the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. On finding the one pearl of great value, and notice that the kingdom is like the merchant, not the pearl. On finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. And that parable reminds me of that famous, deep, philosophical question of what would you do for a Klondike bar? The pearl is God's love. What would you do to receive God's kingdom? It's worth your whole life. And Jesus has already paid for it. Jesus has already bought it for you as a gift. And with, with this promise of God's love, we can persevere through any suffering. We can make it through any situation. And not only can we persevere and endure, we can allow God to work in us to change the world. The kingdom of heaven, Jesus says, is like a mustard seed, a tiny seed that grows into a large plant. Beyond that, a mustard seed is an invasive species, species, and it's very difficult to control or eradicate once it takes root and starts growing. So I said I've been at a retreat this weekend called Teens Encounter Christ, where the goal is exactly what the title says. It gives it away. We're trying to help people encounter Christ. We're trying to help people recognize the magnitude of what God has done for them. Because this promise is so great that when we recognize it, when we recognize the truth that truly nothing can separate us from God's love shown in Jesus Christ, then that demands we do something in response. It changes the entire way that we live. And so the kingdom of heaven is like yeast in flour where it spreads out to affect the entire batch of bread. How are we affecting the world around us? How are we affecting and blessing the lives of our neighbors? Every little thing that we do, every act of love done in response to God's love brings God's kingdom closer. The Holy Spirit is at work in you, dear church interceding for you, turning our sighs into prayers, stirring us into action to build God's kingdom. God is at work through you, through me, to heal what is broken in the world. And nothing, not even sin, not even death, is big enough or powerful enough to stop what God is doing. So this week, May the Holy Spirit give you grace to follow and to dwell in this promise of God's amazing love. May this promise move you to action for the sake of God's kingdom. And may Almighty God, 
Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the one who is present with you, the one whose peace passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. To learn more about the ministries of Living Hope and Christ the King, to ask for prayer, or to make a donation to support the work we are doing in Ozaki County, you can visit our websites at livinghopesockville.org or ctkport.org, or click the link in the show notes to find us online or on social media. May God bless you, and we hope you'll join us again soon.